listening to Year Disrupted. What is up, you guys? Welcome to episode 11 of the podcast, Year Disrupted, where you already know what our mission is. It is to encourage and inspire people to live and work abroad through practical tips, actionable insights, and some more real-life stories. I am so excited for today's episode because we have another great guest who is here to talk about her journey as a digital nomad. We are so excited to introduce our guest today, Sophia Lindman. Sophia is so inspiring to us and I hope to all of you as well because she has always believed in going against the status quo and creating her own path. In fact, she's never even held a traditional 9-to-5 job. At the age of 15, Sophia dropped out of school to pursue a mission of starting rap choirs for girls to inspire female empowerment in the rap music industry. She then went on to create her own company, all under the age of 18, called Genius Rap, which has been supported by Timbuktu and members of the Wu-Tang Clan. Her early entry into entrepreneurship exposed her to the location-independent lifestyle that we all know and love. After this incredible experience, she knew she wanted to continue living as a digital nomad and inspire others to do the same. Now, she's living in Bali, working part-time for a Swedish tech startup. In addition, she travels all the time and lectures as a motivational speaker, recently completing her very first TEDx talk. So without further ado, I am so excited to introduce Sophia. Welcome to the show, Sophia. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. I'm back in sunny, warm (laughs) Bali. Amazing. So we're so excited to get to talk to you today and really understand your full story. It's so inspiring and it's it's so unique. So thank you for, so much for agreeing to come on the show. I'm sure a lot of our listeners will love kind of hearing about your journey here. So I'd love to just dive right in. Can you tell us a little bit about just who you are and where you're from originally? Yeah, so thank you so much, by the way. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I, so I'm Sophia. I'm almost 25 years old, and I obviously, I, I really feel a lot older <laughs> than, I, <laughs> than I am. Um, I'm, I'm born and raised in Stockholm, Sweden, but I'm, I've always kind of been an annoying young girl who always questioned, questioned societal norms. So um, I, I've always had that like entrepreneurial vein. So I've been kind of in like the, in the entrepreneurial scene a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today I'm a digital nomad, so I'm a full-time traveler and working on the road. Cool. And I love your story so much because you, which we're about to find out, started your your journey into entrepreneurship and, and working remotely so young. So can you take us back to when you started getting into creating your own business and, and how old you were, what you did and, and why you did it. Right. Um, so, so basically I, I was a young girl with big dreams and like in the society that we live in today, like big, like being a young girl who has big dreams is not always a good thing. I think it could be quite intimidating for some people. So Mm -hmm. I was, 
I've always felt like kind of the underdog and I always had these ideas, but I didn't really fit into like the, the school box or like all these boxes that we are supposed to, you know, fit into. Um, so I felt kind of outside, but the thing that I did have was, uh, again, these ideas that I wanted to put into reality because I wanted to change something. I wanted to make a positive impact in the society that I lived in and specifically like strengthening or strengthening is maybe the wrong word to use, but like help young girls find the magic that is already within them. Mm. So I, I was, I, I was, like I've been a huge, I, I'm a passionate for music, but um, I've been very passionate about rap music because I, <laughs> I think it's such a powerful tool to like speak your mind and tell your story. So I thought, oh my God, okay, so rap is powerful, but like how can we do it? Like not individually, but like as the collective. So yeah, right. I thought of the idea of starting a rap choir, which sounds crazy, uh, like, mm-hmm just like by the name of it but I <laughs> I actually just started like I literally just gathered like 10 girls to see if it actually worked like mm-hmm. musically if it actually sounded good um so that's really when the idea of like starting a rap choir like creating a movement started but it started very small it was like okay how can how could how can we create a right. space like a safe space for young people that feel like they they don't have a voice and give them a safe place to uh, explore it that's amazing can you just i mean i'm a huge rap fan i know avi is as well what is a rap choir (laughs) like how does it work um can you tell us a little bit about maybe what the definition of that is or did you did you create this definition yourself (laughs) I mean, I honestly, I actually hired uh, like two musical teachers, like one rap teacher and one choir, like a choir teacher, uh, because I'm not like I love music, but I'm not that, you know, I cannot teach out like how to rap. So um, the, the thing was that we had a medley. So in the beginning, it was a 10 weeks course. So Genius Rap was an organization uh, where we, like one, one, we started rap choirs, but then we also hold a lot of lectures and workshops. Um, so, but, so the course, the rap choir course was um, basically, we just started off freestyling. So we rapped about like any kind, like what we ate for dinner or like what, <laughs> we, what like we rapped about like going grocery shopping, like things that are very like non-intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then in the end of the course, we uh, put uh, together a medley with, like, with different rap songs that we felt were empowering for us. Uh, oh, so, so cool. Yeah, so, so everyone had to pick a song that they loved and then we, we mixed it together and is I, I don't really know how to actually explain it. I think it's, yeah. I, I think it's easier to listen to it, but um, yeah, it ended up it ended up working. That's amazing. So so girls could come and basically like they didn't have to be rappers beforehand. They could learn and practice rap, and then meet other meet other young women and and find their voice. That's amazing. I I wish as a young girl who loved Eminem. I wish something like that existed in the U.S. because I certainly would have been a part of that. Yeah, for sure. And it's so much more than, you know, the music or the rap is really just a tool. Um, Like the whole point was to make them feel like they can do anything or make them feel like 
they can tell their story and to feel like women are not just one thing like we're multi-dimensional beings like we we're, we can do more than one thing and we can put ourselves in positions where we deserve to be there's so much more to being a woman that like more than what's being portrayed in the media yeah amen so it was more yeah. than like produce <laughs> yeah yeah for sure I love that. Was um, just just out of curiosity, was was there a big rap scene in Sweden at the time? Um, like, was there a big rap scene, or was it still kind of underground? Well, actually, we were kind of lucky, like timing wise, because there was a lot of. Honestly, before we started, we we kind of got um, what do you say, like a, a more attention in 2015. So, but in the end of 2014, there was a lot of female rappers coming up, like popping up everywhere. And it really, it felt like it happened out of nowhere. And it obviously didn't. They worked hard to get where they are. Right. Um, so we were quite lucky. Like it was like, people were talking about it more and more. And this big wave was just coming when our rap choir, like when our first rap choir was started, started in Stockholm. So, it was we were very lucky like timing wise that's amazing okay, before so that we did like we didn't have we had like one two like um actual famous female rappers like role okay. models for young girls but it was very very much male dominated okay who's who's a name of just so we can i can listen and maybe our listeners can listen who's your favorite swedish female rapper oh that's a good question i really I really love, there's a woman called Silvana Imam. Uh, she just, I don't know how to explain her. Uh, she's such a like powerful force. Um, she's so unapologetic with everything she says. Awesome. And okay. she really paved the way for other young girls to do the same. Cool. Silvana Imam. I will put her name in the show notes and I will definitely listen to her right when we get off this call. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> um, so you mentioned Genius Rap. Um, you started this company. Um, how old were you at the time and, and, and how did this company evolve? So I... I got the idea when I was around like 16, I think. And I, it started out as a hobby. Uh, so it started out like me bringing my friends and YouTubing how to rap. So it was very much like a thing we did after school uh, or before I dropped out of school. And then the more time that went, the more I felt like I could actually turn this into a real thing. Cause I felt like, like the need was so big. Like the more I talked to young girls, they were screaming after a safe place to discover, like, um, discover who they are professionally and like uh, who they are as young women and just like to explore their voice, just a safe place for them to explore. Because like in that time, you really, there's a lot of pressure of being a young girl and just to have a space together with other people where you can just say and do and be whatever you want. It's so, so important. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So clearly it seems that from the early on, you wanted to not fit the, the boxes of the society. You obviously wanted to do something on your own when it comes to starting your own business or doing your own work. So where did your love of travel come from? Oh, I, I think actually I got it through my genes. Like my dad is, <laughs> and my grandpa, they've always been traveling. My grandpa, he used to take them 
um, not the boat, like, oh, what's the word in English? Uh, like a ship okay. across the Atlantic from Sweden to South America. Oh, wow. So he's always been, like, since I was a kid, we always used to play, like, games uh, like travel games and like uh, guess who knows the most countries in the world and mm-hmm. my dad always he's been traveling my whole life so I felt like I have that in my blood actually so since since I was a young kid I I used to <laughs> I, I don't know if I should say, say this because I haven't told my mom but I, <laughs> I used to hitchhike around Sweden a lot because like, I couldn't travel abroad so that was my way of like, like, I really felt like I was alive when I did that. So yeah, I started out oh gosh, like around amazing. Sweden. And then when I was like 17, I went on my first trip, um, which was to the Sahara Desert in Tunisia, oh, which wow. was my only choice. And after that, I was hooked. Like I was like, you were hooked. no turning back. So you mentioned that you dropped out of school um, after starting this company what were your reasons? Did you want to focus more on the company? Were you ready to start traveling? Can you walk us through a little bit how you made that decision, how your parents felt about that decision, um, and kind of what what you did after you dropped out? How can I try to make it that short? Obviously, it's kind of a long story because, mm-hmm. uh, or for me, I didn't you know just drop out to drop out. Um, it was a um, it was a choice that I made like eventually after a long time of feeling like misplaced and feeling extremely anxious and feeling like I didn't learn the same way as the other kids did. And I, I felt like my way of learning was not really acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm the kind of person that needs to, you know, I need to try. I'm very practical. I need to, it's like very much like the entrepreneurial, like I want to, I, I need to start a company and see what happens. And I learn on the way, but that really felt, mall place and I ended up actually like in the ninth grade I ended up becoming really sick in a flu or like a rare type of flu so I ended up missing pretty much the whole last year before high school um so that was really the final straw for me um to like initially it was like okay I'm just gonna leave for a bit and like maybe come back just I just needed a break uh and that was also like parallel to that, uh, Genius Rap came to life more and more and I had all these like side projects and I felt like this is more my thing, but it wasn't like, I couldn't really lean on that like economic wise mm-hmm. uh, by that or uh, at that point. So um, it was more like, okay, I'm going to leave and maybe come back, but then I ended up never coming back. I mean, I think that's amazing. I think that people who aren't cut out for traditional learning, whatever that is. It's like they always know. Everyone I've talked to who has dropped out of school or has done something different, it's like they've always known that that's not how they learn. And I think that's so important because the, just because it's one institutionalized way of learning does not make it the, the only way that people can learn and grow and succeed. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Funny thing is, like at my work, I kind of felt the same way always that like something was always missing. Mm -hmm. And then when I finally quit my job on the last day, my boss was like, I always knew you were going to do something on your own. Yeah. Uh, It was just a matter of time. (laughs) So, oh, it's just funny when people can sense it before you. Yeah. Or like you obviously knew, but like the people can sense it too. It's crazy that society teaches us to do one thing one way. So, you are definitely proof that there is, are other ways of doing that. Um, okay, so 
you started your own company at the age of 17, which is incredible. You dropped out of school. What was the next step? Yeah, the next step that I... I put all my focus on Genius Trap, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I had I had a side job. Um, I think when I speak about my journey, sometimes you tend to forget, you know, the hard parts. And like, okay, I actually had like it wasn't like oh, I dropped out and I like I made a living off of starting rap choirs. Like, of course, I had shitty jobs, and I mm-hmm. I delivered newspapers on the street every morning at like five thirty. Uh, so I was juggling like running it, running the company, like getting it off the ground, and getting my money in as well so um that's where I was at like just after dropping out like usually when we see like we we see people on Instagram or we see their business like when it's Mm -hmm. successful but we don't see these parts yeah Yeah. (laughs) it it, it took a long time you know when people were first of all I'm I was a really young girl I was I was like I was a teenager and of course like going into meetings uh going into uh, like investors office and ask for investor investments it's such a hard thing to do when you look so young and you're starting rap choir so you want to make a social impact like all yeah. these three things are kind of against you at that point so it was really it was a hard time but it was good for me to learn right I'm sure you learned so much in such a short amount of time because that that is really the truth of entrepreneurship is just because you start a company and if you look up if you google genius rap you'll see that it's been supported by some major rappers like um, Wu-Tang Clan, Timbuktu which is also so impressive but there's this whole you know you have to keep a business running you have to get funding Um, for entrepreneurs it it takes quite a bit until they can actually make put money into their pockets Um, so I think that hustle is so important I think that's a huge misconception just because you start a business does not mean you're on a private jet like this yeah. the day after <laughs> so you have to really believe you have to really believe in your vision like you did and it seems like a lot of the other circumstances in your life whether it was navigating investors offices or even just believing in yourself was all kind of going back to your main mission which is female empowerment I think that's so cool how that you know, you, you probably learned uh, a lot. Um, were you going into these meetings just on your own or did you have a partner or somebody who was helping you on the business side? Uh, so I had a partner uh, for the first two years. So I think thankfully I was not alone and I know, I'm not sure if I could have handled it all by myself either. Um, but um, I mean, it's it's such a... Like looking at it now, I'm. I feel like I was very like na- naive, but in a good way. Like I feel mm-hmm. very more. I'm like, how did I like? How was I brave enough to want to just walk into that office and like ask for money? You know, it was very straightforward and maybe not in a way that you're supposed to do it. But I've never been that way. So I like. I feel like the older you get, the more like you kind of adjust to society. Yeah. Uh, but back then, I was very, I was, I was very fearless. Uh, so, and it was, I mean, it was a good and a bad thing because I, it yeah. obviously made things happen fast. Sometimes the younger you are, you don't, you're just like, I'm just gonna go for it. Yeah. I don't really, you know, you don't have that like fear response yeah. system. That you have kicks all in the optis- optimism in the yeah. world. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're like, you, you're just, you're just like so focused on your vision, like no matter what, like you don't even care. You're just gonna get there somehow. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so okay, now you're running this company, doing all these amazing things with Genius Rap. When did you first become exposed 
to that location independent lifestyle or, or digital nomad living? Um, I was so I was running Genius Rap, and on the I think the second or third year, I I hired teachers uh, for the rap choir. So I I didn't really feel the need to actually be there, um, like in in the, like in Stockholm with mm-hmm. the choir. Um, so I kind of adjusted my role so that it would fit or that so they will help me actually be able to work remotely um i like the, that that year the same year i kept on going back to barcelona i mm-hmm. i just had the biggest crush on barcelona and and uh, i i don't know it was just like a, a good timing and we got a lot of fundings as well so uh, it was it was a good good time economic wise as well but um so it was it was not really like a like a huge decision that I made I just ended up going back and then one time I I was I realized that I've been in Barcelona for two months and I was like okay maybe maybe I'll just stay for a while Uh, and I ended up staying for two years Um, and I kept on going like a little back and forward to Sweden but I was I was kind of working remotely and I that was the first time when I actually met like other people who were working remotely or like selling things on Amazon, working though, you know, three hours a day, earning good money. And I realized, Oh, there's actually, this is actually like a lifestyle choice to make people make and the people build from themselves and it actually works. So that really opened my eyes. And I was like, I, I was so drawn to that way of living. I, I just couldn't see myself in any other like position than that that's amazing so how long have you been a digital nomad now so i've been like officially officially traveling digital nomad for almost a little more than one and a half year almost two years Mm -hmm. now okay so then now walk us through you you stayed in barcelona for a while continuing to run genius rap what was the next step after that? Uh, so the next step, uh, so I was in Barcelona and the thing was like, I love Genie's rap. It, it's it's mm-hmm. such a huge part of my history and my, my life, but it was, I, I just came to a point where I felt like I was done mm-hmm. and it was hard to accept because it was, it was something that I, really identified myself with and the, yeah. the other people identified my with like me with so it was a slow process of kind of letting go and I felt like I was so ready to just do something new yeah and um things were not working out um like in any aspect of my life whatsoever at that point like I, I was living with my my boyfriend and uh, we lost the apartment and uh, he worked up with me and I ended up getting um, diagnosed with a chronic disease like there were so many things that went against me and mm-hmm. I felt like it was a lot of signs that just kept on telling me that okay maybe we should like try to walk in another path like maybe yeah. we should try something else yeah. um so I ended up moving back home and that's when I like I I literally I remember like being like I didn't have a home I didn't have a job mm-hmm. uh, I, I felt like I didn't have like I, I felt like I really started from the ground again and I, I came home with like two huge backpacks I was like okay this is me like from now on like I need to really align with my higher purpose and I need to um I need to build something 
from scratch that is actually yeah. built with longevity, not something right. that will like go away after a night. Yeah, I think like one of the most important lessons I've ever been taught by by one of my mentors actually is that you know the universe will like throw little pebbles at you when it wants to get your attention. And then when you ignore those pebbles, they just throw a huge boulder at you that just (laughs) knocks you off your feet and you have to get back up again. So it seems like in your life, you know, there were a a few signs that it's like, okay, it may be it's time to reassess. And as entrepreneurs, it can be really hard. It's like your baby. It's, you know, something that you grew up with. Um, But I'm, I'm so glad you were able to some people just keep going and going and going until it eventually like physically or mentally kills them. But it sounds like you were able to kind of do a full reset button on, on what it is you wanted in your life. So you moved back with your parents and then how did you start to frame and think about the next steps? Um, so, so I, I actually started, <clears throat> just making a list of or I was like by by this point I was convinced I was so convinced like okay I'm gonna become a digital nomad and I'm gonna travel that was it like there was no other option for me really um so I started off with I just made a list of companies that I felt like I could align with or like companies Mm -hmm. I could stand behind value-wise because that's really important for me because I really I really feel like I I can't just work for anyone, you know, like I can, I cannot live in Bali, wake up to these palm trees and have a shady job. Cause that like that for me, it doesn't like, I need to feel like I'm doing something meaningful. So mm-hmm. whether, whether that is like, I don't really care about my title. I don't care about what that is. I just feel like it needs to be meaningful and I can stand behind it. So um, I made this list of companies and, I made a list of like what 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 can I offer and in what way in like in what form do I want to offer like do I want to be an employee like do I want to be a freelancer Mm -hmm. like how do I want to do it so I just had to decide these things and look at my own skills and like what I actually have to offer and so Mm -hmm. whenever it was running Renewed Trap I was basically you know you don't really have titles when you're running your own startup but I was basically the marketing genius (laughs) genius <laughs> and mm-hmm. so um I really felt like that was my area so um I just started to call these companies up and um and um what do you say in English uh like told them what I was good at and and ask like if they have a position or anything so that that's how it started and when people mm-hmm. were interested but um, as soon as I told them that I'm a digital nomad or like that I'm actually, I'm only working remotely, they, like, yeah. I feel like 90% just said no after that. Wow. Did, did that, I mean, that's incredible. Um, at the time, was being a digital nomad or remote work, was it common in, in Sweden? Or were, did you hear a lot of like, what the hell? No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, or did too. you hear a lot of shock coming in when you broke that news to them? Both. I mean, people were so like my story from from like then to now, or like when it was now then. I I was this girl who dropped out of school and I started rap choirs. So they were all like people were not really surprised. Like people who knew me, they were like, "Of course you're gonna do this now." Like yeah. I'm not surprised <laughs> at all. But people like some some people were very against it, and I think like it it came from a good place, but it was more like. But that's not how things work. Like you mm-hmm. need to work 
hard and I don't think that they understand that like the world is changing and the way we work is changing and I I really believe that we can create something better for ourselves like right. at this time and age mm -hmm. so um, I think it came from a good place but um, I think it's also I don't know I I think it's not the best thing to say to to young people generally and I, I really I really encourage like I've, I'm usually thinking like I never want to shut someone's idea down like I'd rather have them try it themselves and if they fail they fail but they probably learn something from it we always do um, so because what if it works like it might yeah. just work it, it, yeah. I mean maybe it doesn't but it might so absolutely and I love your process here. You know, I think a lot of people, even when they're finding jobs that they want to work from in the office, um, it can be a difficult process. But I love how you knew that being a digital nomad was a non-negotiable for you. But then you first did your research to find companies that whose values aligned with yours and who you thought you could really see yourself helping I think that's so important because you've already vetted all these companies. You know you would like to work with them. And then really after that, the ball is in their court. <laughs> if yeah. they'll let you be a digital nomad or not. So you mentioned 90% said no. Can you tell us about the one that... The 10% that, that said yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I called up a guy called Odef, uh, who is now my boss. And I was... Um, I was very straightforward and uh, he, I think he liked that. And he, he was like, okay, let, let's like have a coffee together. Um, so I had a meeting with him and he was not happy about my idea of remote, working remotely at first. Mm -hmm. um, so I started working there. I ended up getting hired and I started working there and uh, with marketing then. And after a month, I... I just couldn't hold it in and I had to try to convince him to, to be able to work remotely. <laughs> so I, yeah, he actually, I tried three times and two of the times he said no. And the third time I went in there and I was like, this is really it. Like I, I need, for me, again, like it's non-negotiable. So it's either like you let me work remotely or I'll try to find something else. Because I know the things like I, I see other people doing the same things. So I know it works. Like I just know it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, I don't want to settle for less. Mm -hmm. I really don't. Like I know when I know that there's something better, like not something better, but like the thing that I actually want is out there. Yeah. I just can't settle for something less than that. So I, I went in there into the meeting room the last time. And I was like, this is it. Like this is, and, and I was like, let me try for three months and see what happens. And if it doesn't work, I'll just come home. So he ended up agreeing to that. And after those three months, he was like, okay, like I, I love to say this, like as a, like as your boss, I actually love to say that I was wrong and I was wrong. Like yeah. this is working perfectly. Um, now he's even letting other people work remotely. Like where our culture is very much based on like we have, like two two developers sitting in Brazil, and we have one girl sitting in Costa Rica. So like that was actually a thing. Yeah, uh, but that's I great. think it's such a like we really need to challenge the traditional ways of working because I I don't really I don't get why we need to sit in a certain place in a mm -hmm. certain yeah. like demographical spot mm -hmm. when we actually make we do such a better work 
when we're like in the yeah, beach in Bali yeah. or <laughs> yeah. from a, a tree tree house somewhere. So yeah, I think that's such an incredible story that like you knew from the get go that this is what you wanted and you wanted to challenge the the traditions of of working and you were like this, this it doesn't have to be this way and not only you convince your boss to let you work remotely but also you basically change the culture for an entire company mm -hmm. and and that's, that's really incredible. powerful yeah um now when your boss agreed did you just go home and like pack your bags and take <laughs> off where, where did you go yeah that actually literally <laughs> that was exactly it i <laughs> i was home and I just checked the cheapest flights. And I was like, okay, like I'm gonna go tomorrow. So I booked the cheapest flight that I could find, which was Budapest, um, and literally packed my bag and just went. And I, and you know, I realized, of course, when I was there, I was like, oh, I like lost or like forgot half of my stuff that I, that was important. So you you learn, you learn, yeah. or I learned after a while when I need yeah. to bring and not bring. <laughs> was it um was it easy for you to make the transition into a digital nomad lifestyle. I mean, Budapest is such a dope country and I'm sure you visited some, not, not country city, sorry. Um, but was it, was it, were you able to just like sit down and be diligent about work or did it take an adjustment to be like, okay, I really want to explore, but I really need to work to prove that I can do this whole remote thing for my boss. Yeah. The first like three months or like that kind of the trial that I had, I was very much, I was so scared of something not working, like the Wi-Fi not, I was so scared of the Wi-Fi not working um, or like anything, like my, if my computer got stolen. So I was so, 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 so scared. And I opened my computer like an hour before just to make sure that I was like in time. Um, so I was very careful and I, I, I ended like I, I really had time to set up some routines that I've mm -hmm. really been following since like those two first months um so i was trying to make it as like normal lifey as possible and mm -hmm. then as soon as i'm off work i i'll, I'll just explore or, like meet new people and do whatever yeah okay yeah i love that uh i'm the same way i'm always afraid of something going wrong i'm such a people pleaser so i i feel that just like <laughs> being extra cautious i'm sure your boss i'm sure your boss appreciated that so you're working in marketing for this open-minded Swedish startup. Um, how has that transitioned or evolved into um, what you currently do now? I know you work for them still, but you have a different focus. So can you tell us about um, how that transitioned and, and what you're focusing on currently? Uh, yeah, I... The thing was when I started traveling, people asked a lot of questions or they, they thought, are you on a vacation or like, are you working and what are you working with? Mm -hmm. And uh, people were very curious about this lifestyle choice that I just made and how it works and like how you, how you get your boss, like how do you convince your boss to do it? Like where do you get remote work or where, where do you find it? So there was a lot of like curiosity. People wanted to know more. Um, mm -hmm. And that really, I was like, maybe maybe I should share a little bit more um, about my journey. And I'm a really, I'm really a transparent person. Like I, 
I'm really good at like sharing the good, but I'm also good at sharing the bad. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm usually I'm trying to be as transparent as possible when I when I share um, share like the everyday life stuff and mm-hmm. uh, all the things from like okay, there's actually like I had a really cool day working from from a like beach house and coffee was amazing and I'm, I'm here with amazing people that I feel comfortable with and there's all other days that I'm sitting with food poisoning and the Wi-Fi doesn't work and the <laughs> SIM card stops working. Like there's, there's really those ups and downs and I really want, wanted to share all of it. So I started to, well, share all of it. And I was also like before when I, when I was running Genius Rap, I was holding a lot of lectures or I got booked for like inspirational speeches to talk about like female empowerment so I had that background and I always loved public speaking, which is funny because uh, I know like my, my best friends, they don't understand how the hell, like, how can you <laughs> like that? Because that, that's the worst thing they could possibly think of. Uh, so but I really, I really, really enjoy it. And, mm-hmm. um, and I just ended up getting requests or like people like from home knew me from before, knew that I've been speaking and, um, so I so I actually ended up getting a question from TED, TEDx nice. uh, back in Stockholm uh, to speak about actually not my digital nomad journey but the journey on how I started Genius Rap and like, the power of um, starting a movement and collecting like uh, starting a collective of like, young women who wants yeah. to change the music industry. Um, That's amazing. So yeah, it was yeah it was very like an organic process and I didn't I didn't planets mm-hmm. so now you're just working on you know in addition to the work you're currently doing inspiring more people to to live this lifestyle that's awesome yeah yeah exactly and I I feel like maybe I'm going back to the thing that I told you in the beginning but we're I really feel like it's the time it's, it's a, such a time to be a woman because we can really be more than one thing and uh, we can be more than like in the way that women can be or act or accomplish that so we can mm-hmm. travel alone and we can have we can have an awesome job uh, I can have an awesome job that I love and I can still you know go to these meetings with people in costumes but I'll just do it in a bikini and with yeah. the <laughs> and I'll do it like with frizzy hair or with no makeup you know so yeah. I'm not saying that that's the easiest choice to to decide to not like present yourself in the way that they want you to present yourself. Right. But, um, but I feel like that time is over uh, and yeah. we're here for something new. I love that. That's so inspiring. So what does a, a typical work day look like for you? What is your schedule? It really depends on where I am. I mean, here in Bali, I obviously have my go-to places, my go-to cafes or co- co-working spaces that I where I do may do my work. Um, but I, I usually work in the afternoon since I'm ahead, like I'm like seven hours ahead. Mm-hmm. So um, I usually start the day with yoga and going for a coffee or get, going on a beach walk. It sounds very, it sounds really good, but it's, yeah, that, that's the thing with like, when you, when you speak about Bali, everything sounds amazing. Yeah. Bali, <laughs> <sounds> amazing. <laughs> um, and then, um, meet up with some people I'm really like because I'm here now for a little longer time I'm usually in the beginning I 
change country every like third four week which was insane it was only because I was so overly excited and I was yeah. I was just you know oh my god this is my life and I need to do it fast <laughs> um, but now I decided to come here for a little longer and actually create something or create or cultivate like deeper relationships and actually get mm-hmm. to know people and uh, so my pace is a little slower now so okay. um, I'm focusing on like getting to know people and then I work in the afternoon and um, yeah d- just enjoying that. enjoying my life yeah so are you working late hours um, to be on Swedish time zone yeah for most of the time it, it really depends like if I have meetings I usually take them a little bit later um, so yeah I, I tend to use uh, work a little bit later i usually start at like two three and then and at like seven or something great so okay just as we wrap up here i love how you want to tell people like the good and the bad so do you mind telling us what is the best part about this lifestyle and maybe what is one of the biggest challenges you face as a digital nomad Mm, that's a good question um the, the best thing i would say the freedom um to to wake up in the morning and feel like i'm happy you know like yeah. of course things happen or like shit happens but but i really feel free and that's such an important like my before when i was younger i was very much like identified myself based on what i did and now I feel like I don't care. <laughs> like I'm, mm-hmm. I don't care what I do. I just want to be happy and be in a place that I love. And I just wanna, yeah, I just wanna feel good uh, and do it in my like in my own way. So um, that's one of the really good things. And I feel like the world is such a beautiful place. And if we treat it right, like there's so many things to discover and people to get to know and like things that aren't that ha- hasn't happened yet or that is about to happen if we're open to like receive it so mm-hmm. there's so many um yeah i'm just it, it, basically like overall it makes me happy yeah um and the bad thing i would say like relationships mm-hmm. to um not really be able to create deeper relationships with people because you meet someone that you love and then they 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 go away for a working visa in Australia yeah. or they're gonna yeah. move home or you know right. they're they're there for a few weeks so that's really one thing that sucks and it, mm-hmm. but it helps you to become your own best friend in a way and to feel like whatever happens like people will come and go but you always have yourself to rely on which is also a very very important thing to cultivate when you're traveling right and then the great part about that is that now you have friends all over the world right because you meet people from so many countries (laughs) yeah it's like uh, at at one point you know people from every country So before our last question, I just want to tell you, you know, you are a young woman, you're an entrepreneur, you are a digital nomad, a motivational speaker, you are all of these amazing things because you've always believed in breaking the norms and and challenging the status quo. So is there any kind of words of, of wisdom or advice you can give to other women who maybe 
um, you know, are a little bit intimidated by traveling alone, by moving to new places and having to meet new people. I know that can be a little scary for anybody, but especially women, um, just because of the way this culture is and the way the world works. Um, so you are so inspiring to me and I imagine you are very inspiring to our listeners. So can you give just a little bit of, um, you know, words of wisdom to people who may be a little scared or intimidated by this kind of lifestyle? Yeah. I, one thing that I've really been, I've been thinking a lot about this is that I usually go with the sentence, like feel the fear and do it anyway. And growth or putting yourself out there or going on a limb does not mean that it, supposed to feel good all the time mm -hmm. and I think that's I what, that. something that we get yeah because like we, we feel like oh but like we want to do this thing but it's uncomfortable and that's a that's a sign that we shouldn't and that's yeah that's just not true like it's supposed to feel you're supposed to feel a little anxious you're supposed to feel like what the hell am I doing you're supposed to feel right. fear but you're also supposed to do it anyway and that's really that's so important because as soon as you're it's like as soon as you overcome that worst like state of fear or anxious or whatever you feel there's something so much greater on the other side and yeah. I wrote something especially before my TED talk because I was freaking out and I was like how the hell am I gonna do this and I'm not a good speaker and blah, blah, all these like limited thoughts that I had and I was I was reading something about fear and like it can be disabling if you let it like would you rather not go through those like 20 minutes or two seconds of feeling fear than not having done it at all yeah and it was like i oh, don't want to wake that. up when i'm 80 and feel like oh i didn't because i was a little scared or like i felt mm -hmm. anxious or whatever it might be yeah. and i just want to feel like or say that it's okay and it's good it's good because that means that you're doing something that like do you do doing something that you're supposed to do you're, you're right. living you're living yeah and, and that's I, love that. I love that so much yeah that's such a great advice um, so one final question that we ask all our guests is, uh, in all your travels, what is the most underrated city or country in your opinion? Oh, um, I would say I was actually in, in the South of Kazakhstan, uh, really? three, four <laughs> months ago, and that was incredible in every way the nature is absolutely mind-blowing and i felt super safe as a female solo traveler even though i actually didn't meet a single other solo female traveler um i always felt safe um they're so friendly the people are amazing and uh, they want you to come home and they cook your dinner and you just want to wow. hang out and they want to learn english like they're very even though they don't really have an infrastructure for tourism uh, they're yeah. such good people like i i had such an amazing time and oh. They even have, like, it was so easy to work from the, the Wi-Fi worked everywhere. Yeah. They have, you know, they have soya latte. I didn't expect, like, I was, I was not expecting much. I was like, okay, this is a yeah. challenge for me. Like, I'll just embrace whatever comes my way. Uh -huh. um, but so it kind of felt a little modern as well. Um, so it was, it was really a good experience. That's on our That's list awesome. now. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> That's yeah. Amazing. Oh, you should really go. It's so random, but I've, I love it. Uh, we're de we definitely need to head over there. Well, thank you so much. Can you tell people where they can um, find you and follow you if they want to either stay up to date with your talks or just see what 
digital nomad life is like in Bali right now? Yeah, of course. So uh, my Instagram is uh, Lindman Sophia. Uh, so my last name and my 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 normal name. Um, and then I have a website uh, Uh So there you can you can find information about uh, my lectures and uh, more what I actually do um but the instagram is more for the everyday everyday life a lot of nuggets of wisdom <laughs> great that's amazing and we'll put those links in the show notes as well yeah and if people wanted to watch your tedx talk where could they find that yeah we're actually waiting or i'm waiting for them to put it up online so i will let you know as soon as it's up Okay. 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 So stay tuned. I on actually that haven't head. seen it as well, so I'm 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 a little nervous, but uh, most excited. I'm sure it's amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been absolutely incredible for us to tap into your story. You're such an inspiration. So, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking thank the time. Thank you. Um, and you know, we'll be in Bali in in two months. So, uh, let's get a drink yeah. <laughs> when we're there yeah for sure i'll show you the best places amazing awesome.